0: How's how's things? So, first of all, are, are you oh, okay?
1: That's cool. Um, it's getting colder here now. just some nights down to four degrees. Uh but um, and it's mixed days, wet and windy at times. Uh but you know, every day, most days, not yesterday, I couldn't go yesterday. It was bad, but I had a great walk today. And I, I, if I can get out for a walk or a cycle, it just makes my day, calm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I and
1: I was listening to uh, I was on a teleconference last night, uh, to which was organised by the Red Cross, Red Cross, um, Southwest Cork branch, a uh, woman um, who was giving a talk on well being during COVID times, and she was very very interesting actually. Um, I found her very helpful. Like uh, she, I had never experienced um this sort of public lecture on Zoom before there was 34 of us yeah and uh but then she broke us into groups and um, uh we had to feed back into the big group and that itself seeing that working and how she did it was brilliant
0: yeah oh interesting
1: yeah and she's a very interesting woman herself i don't know what age she would be maybe late 30s 40s maybe Maybe a few years older than you. She's uh, originally a chemist. I mean, a pharmacist. But she, um, um, she became more and more interested in sort of well-being and work-life balance. And she ended up doing a PhD in this area. And um, she's now she's still working. She's working in the School of Pharmacy in UCC. But she's also doing this thing as a sideline oh, to do with um it's really kind of mental health general well-being um but she did it in such a way very interesting way so I did that last night and um then your dad is continuing his project he's doing very well um we had a long chat with killian yesterday he's off for the week he's in very good form and very chatty ah oh, very good uh, himself and sophie were invited to new jersey for um, Thanksgiving, which is this Thursday, but um they're not going because they're concerned about safety, their yeah. safety,
0: yeah, that's fair enough yeah,
1: yeah. all right, so all's good very good, so will we crack ahead
0: we'll make a crack start on. we'll make a start yeah okay. so i okay. just wa- I just wanted to check one thing first in the last um call we had, you said you graduated in november um
1: uh well actually, it was before yeah, I did. But I was only explaining that to your dad today, um in fact, what you're doing, Carl I must say is excellent. You know, I only found an old diary that I had away back in nineteen seventy seven and I was looking at some of the entries today and I was describing meeting Pat's brother Michael for the first time <laughs> It was so funny. I mean, going back to this was in the summer of nineteen seventy seven I had met Pat. On the previous October, yeah, and seeing what I'd written then, you know, oh, and
0: what had you written?
1: I'd written that he was he looked like Pat, he was but he had very brown eyes and he looked very handsome. I, was telling that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell Pat that at all yet. <laughs> anyway, how do I get on to that now?
0: Uh, I was also, asking about I was
1: telling Pat that when I when in our degree that year this doesn't happen anymore now, thank God, it was a silly arrangement. We had to do our exams in the autumn. So we had to study right through the summer, those of us who were doing an honours degree. But if you wanted to go do a past degree and get out of there fast, you could do your exams in June. But there was about 12 of us of our class that were doing an honours degree, and we did that. We did the exams in September and got the results in the end of, end of September. But in the meantime, I was contracted to go to. to I've got a job in Leicester, in not Leicester, in Preston, in Lancashire, working in fostering and adoption. And uh, but they allowed me to come back when when they offered me the job. I said I would take it on condition that they would allow me to come home in November for the graduation.
0: Also, oh, just just what year was this? Nineteen
1: seventy three.
0: And why, when did you start the, the job in Preston?
1: In October. I would imagine it was at the end of September or the beginning of October, 1973.
0: Oh, so you've only been there four or five weeks before coming back for the graduation?
1: Yeah, before I went home, yeah. Okay. And in fact, it was a very good thing because uh, it, it helped me to settle more then when I went back to Preston.
0: I see. And how, yeah. did, how did the job in Preston come about?
1: I don't know, Carl. I was thinking about that today, whether I answered an ad or I saw maybe an ad in the college you know how in in college they have these uh, what what they call them career offices, and um they'd have various ads that they'd put up outside um outside the um, the the waiting in the waiting area and whether i I don't know whether I saw it in the paper or saw it there and another thing that I had half thought about doing because a few other people that I knew did that in 1973 in Ireland. There was a great shortage of national school teachers, and the minister for education at the time, his name was John Wilson. He was from up own cavan and he was quite a go-ahead minister. So he was saying, "Look, there's a lot of of um, graduates coming out of the colleges with very general degrees." And he said if the training colleges could take them in just for one year and give them an intensive course to train them to be national school teachers, um, we'd have more than we'd have a greater supply. So that was available as well. And one or two people that I knew uh, did that, That including people who had done social science, and they then were known as Wilson's grads. But anyway, I didn't go down that road because I always wanted to be a social worker. Um, But that was open to me as well. But just one other thing on the Wilsons grads, as they were known, they were looked down on very much by the other uh, trained teachers who had spent more time in the teacher training colleges. Okay. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. Because they thought that, you know, we here were here, who, who were we just finishing any old degree and then going in for 10 months or whatever. And there we were getting qualified national school teachers. So they resented it, really. Anyway, I, thought, I must have answered this ad anyway. And I remember, well, um, this Cannon, 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 what was his name? Cannon something. And his senior social worker, they came to Cork and they were doing interviews. Yeah. Uh, And say it was Jew. What was Jewry's hotel, which was the River Lee Hotel, now. And it was quite an easy interview. I didn't think anything much of it. It was very basic and all that. And anyway, I was, I suppose, surprised and kind of pleased when I was offered the job. And then I was to start in October. I remember well, um, mum and dad and someone maybe it was Sheila came to the airport and i going flying to Manchester, and I was met at the airport in Manchester by my employer, Ken. what was his name? He was an administrator, oh, for the life of me, I can't think of his name. And, uh, and he met me at the airport with the same woman, no, she was an Irish woman, Miss Mullins, you know, it was very formal, you had to be calling on Miss Mullins in front of other people. Um, and um, she, they... Met me and took me for lunch, and then they took me to Preston and they had set up accommodation and everything for me. It was really good, and um, it was strange because the, the I, what I did find is there wasn't just enough work for me. They thought there would be, but there wasn't. So initially, it was just accompanying Miss Mullins, as she was called, um, to various cases and various families. But then um, eventually, I was supplied with a little car. And uh, I used to do some follow- up visits, and um it was good. I mean, I remember thinking my main complaint was that I'd like to have been busier
0: and and what uh, so what was the what was it is a tr- like a, a, it was a, a Catholic
1: tr- agency that helped young girls, many of them would have been Irish, who became pregnant, and they would have gone to England to stay there and have their babies and then go home. No, not all of them were Irish, but a lot of them were which was a Catholic, it was called, it was such an awful name even, the Catholic Rescue Society, that they were rescuing these girls. These girls. So this canon, I'll have to think of his name, Cahal, for another time. This canon, anyway, was the administrator of all that. There was there was a good number of these agencies around, around the UK, and also in Ireland there was one in Dublin, a very big one in Dublin. And their main... Work really was um, helping girls who became pregnant outside of marriage, of course, and who um, didn't didn't do you know. There was a, it was a time really when there was a lot of stigma and around um, um, children born uh, if their parents weren't married. And at one stage, I, I I'll have to check on the law. But at one stage, illegit- illegitimacy was. Um, a crime in this country so um anyway that was the agency so it was mainly pre-adoption fostering and then adoption and adoption assessments and fostering assessments and follow-up in foster homes and that was it
0: but but, so but, it but was, just on the one-year contract on the on the girls that you were working with then were they largely irish girls who came over to they the were. uk and and, and yeah. fell pregnant
1: yeah yeah i know they might have come to england having been they might have become pregnant in ireland and then they'd leave and they'd be helped by this agency to come to england and they'd live in england and then they'd have their babies and the babies were adopted and they'd go home
0: oh okay okay well what was that like how how did how did like how were the like how were the young girls like how did they how did they feel about the situation i know it was a very different time but still it would have been A very emotional. different
1: time. Well, some of them were pleased with the service they got. Some of them would have loved to have kept their babies, but at that time, there was no very little help and there was a lot of stigma attached to it. And in the vast majority of cases, their families didn't know. They thought they were just in England working.
0: Or ever known.
1: Never know. They'd never know. And the dad, the fathers, this was always fascinating for me because... I mean, there was no talk at all about the responsibility of the fathers involved. They just disappeared over the horizon and weren't heard of again. And just didn't, most of them didn't want to know. Very, there was a few who might have and they would have offered to marry the girl. But, you know, in fairness, most of the girls would say, like, this is not a reason to get married. So the vast majority would have those babies would have been placed for adoption.
0: Yeah. And yeah. I suppose it, was,
1: it was an easy job in fact like apart from the boredom for a while, during which time I learned to type and I did a lot of I suppose research into the area and reading around. It. So that was good really. It was a good start off because it was like being a kind of a trainee, which I was really, because I had no experience. And and we, I met uh, some lovely people, the people that I work with, the others that I work with, uh we had a secretary called Pamela and um, I got to know her really well, I and mean, we became great friends, and we're still friends to this day, because she lives in Cumbria, uh, up in the Lake District. I'm sure you've heard me talking about her. She's come here and stayed with us.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. So I'm in with her the whole time since then. Her mom used to be so good to me, because I was living in my little flat, and I really liked it. It was like, um, it was a house, but I had my own um bathroom and um sort of little uh, sitting room come bedroom and i shared the kitchen then with two guys who had their own bedsitters they were very nice and pam's mom used to invite me most sunday evenings to come for my dinner or my tea and they were so good to me and then there was a lovely old man that used to work he, he for the agency he used to transport things like um Cots and baby articles and baby items to foster parents and that sort of stuff. His name was Mr. Gillett, and he lived in a sort of a Carnation Street type house um, uh, with his wife. And he was a real classical, typical Lancashire man. He was a man that would always say, There's none so queer as folk. He'd been involved in the war. He was such an interesting man. And they used to often invite me on a Sunday as well. So then I became involved in the Irish club. There was quite a big Irish club, which was based in Preston, but took in any of the Irish that were living in the Lancashire area, really, and was very successful. They had their own premises. They had their own dances. They had a little shop. They brought in Irish newspapers every, every single week from all parts of Ireland and um then i got involved there i used to go there on and off and i got to know um the president or the chairperson who ran the club he was from Crookstown. and the secretary that i had uh she she left for some reason and he asked me would i become secretary so i did and and then i met this lovely guy from dungannon and counted her own, but um, anyway, I had to leave. It wasn't to be, and he was still there. So my contract was up after the year, and then I came back to Cork, and I got another
0: so, one-year contract. Slow down now. Slow down. You're, you're moving too quickly.
1: Uh, <laughs> my Dunghamming guy.
0: No, you You no, no. Um, I was going to ask. You were just in free flow, but I was going to ask. You know, with Miss Mullins and the Cannon. And and, then, and again, going back to like it was a Christian organization, did yeah, you ever Catholic. feel did you ever feel like they looked down on the mothers who were pregnant?
1: No, I really didn't. I never sensed any kind of judgment or anything. I really felt it was it was if I was ever in that situation, I'd remain happy to go to them. They were very respectful of them. oh, that's good, yeah. So, but so, you didn't always happen, Kevin.
0: No, but it sounds like it was a really good trainee experience overall. It was, then
1: for me, it was, it was really, and I made good friends, and the people were very nice. And I, then you know, we had a relative all, all from near McCroom. They were cousins of Dad, and she was a teacher for donkey's years out in a place called Longridge, which is. Not too far from Preston, but away out the countryside to the real farming place. Have a look at it there on the map sometime. And she used to come out. I used to go out to her a lot. She was a teacher in that place. And um, then sometimes she, she'd take me to different places. And I made pretty good friends there, really. And I really enjoyed my year there. I have great soft spot for the north of England. that's was that's one of the reasons.
0: And I suppose this would have been your first real experience as as an adult, kind of living away from home too, right? Oh,
1: it was. It was. Well, Well, I'd lived away from home because I was in college. When I was in college, we stayed in the city, in Cork. So that would have been my first time living away from home as a student. But as a working person and getting my first wage packet, it was so exciting.
0: And it sounded like you, you you settled reasonably quick there.
1: I did. When I think back in it now, Cahal, I settled very quickly, very quickly. And was, they were very good to me because it was partly like I arrived and everything was just set up for me. You know, I didn't have to find accommodation. Like I had accommodation. I had a job. Then when they got to me, know me better and they realized I could drive quite well, they trusted me with a car um like and they in fact as far as i know they used, used to even pay the rent for me of the apartment
0: geez you're like a professional
1: footballer i know better at the time so, 1973 so, like when i think of the date like so long ago so but no for me as the beginning as a trainee starting off it was a very good experience and because I got to know all the things I became involved in, the Irish Club and all these other people I got to know. And I used to go to the Irish Club very often. And I used to be involved in selling all these newspapers. And even to this day, I can think of all the newspapers, the regional newspapers, like the Clare Champion, the Donegal Democrat, you know, the Tipperary, this, the Cl- you know, from every county. The Kerryman, the Corpman. Um, they then at that time they used to have what was called the weekly examiner so it was like uh, they put a lot of they condensed a lot of the um, news from several examiners several days of the week and put them into one and they'd send all those to England like Irish newspapers and Irish radio and all that was huge in England for matches and sport and all that
0: and the Irish club it sounds like it was quite like there was a good number of people joined
1: oh. It had a bar, it had a little cafe, and then every week there was dances and they'd have Irish bands like um what we call show bands, you know, or that would be playing Irish music or country and western.
0: And would you be there most weekends?
1: Oh you would. I would, yeah. Because I used to work behind the I used to work in the little shop or the newspaper stall and then when there was on a Friday night they used to have a disco for teenagers. And I'd be involved in making burgers for them and that hot dogs and stuff like that. Oh, well, it was great.
0: So I suppose that that was a real e- easy to meet people through that as well because there would have been a lot of people in similar it situation.
1: It was, and I suppose what made it very easy for me is because there was a lot of Irish. There was an identity, and I remember coming home for Christmas that year. That would have been Christmas nineteen seventy three, and you know, the Northern Troubles would have been ongoing at that stage. And uh, I mean, 72 was a very bad year. That would have included, you know, the bloody Sunday in Derry. And so 73, I came home for Christmas that year. And I remember, well, going to get my hair cut a week or so before I came home and the hairdresser was saying, what are you doing for Christmas? And I said, I'm going to going home to Ireland, to Ireland. She said, but aren't you afraid? And I said, no. And she said, but there's such conflict there at the moment, wouldn't you be afraid of being shot? So I was trying to explain to her then that, you know, that the the troubles were only in a very small corner of Ireland. And I was trying to use the analogy of, for example, the difference between living in Preston and living in Brighton and the troubles of being on in Brighton and it wouldn't affect people in Preston.
0: And did that hit hit the mark?
1: It did a bit, but she still obviously you see, they were only seeing, they only knew what they saw on the news, and all they saw on the news was all oh, this awful trouble in Ireland.
0: And uh, I guess it, it hadn't reached the stage yet where the IRA were were bombing in the UK, had England, it? England,
1: no, no. Okay, yeah, yeah. No. Uh, I think it must have been, It would have been very hard living in England during that time. Although, Mary and Stephen, I'd often asked them about that, and they said that um for the most part uh, they weren't targeted nobody said anything to them i think mary had one or two people in the school where she worked alright some one or two comments but in the most part people were able to differentiate between individual irish people and what was going on
0: yeah yeah and and f- d- like it sounds like you really like preston as an area itself as well
1: i did I did. I really did, and I got to know it because I was driving around and visiting foster parents. And um, then we used to go to Blackpool. I remember we had Blackpool. We had foster parents living in Blackpool, and I'd spend, what I'd walk the promenade and the all along by Blackpool Tower and all that. Um, have, I did. Have you really ever? Like the, have you ever yeah, been back? oh yes several times yeah but the area has changed so much I mean the last time I was back in Preston which would have been a few years ago I can't remember now and what uh, Pat and I were driving somewhere when we went through it so it's changed beyond belief Carl I would hardly know anything in a place there now
0: and and when your one year was up did you ever consider staying on longer
1: no I wanted more of a challenge
0: i uh, in terms of your your job
1: yeah yeah and in fact then i was contacted before i finished in, in lancashire i in, are yeah, in lancashire i was contacted by um somebody by somebody, a colleague that i knew i don't know why i knew her she worked in in the what is now the h s e what was the health board in cork and she was going uh away for a year um to do a professional course, and she was going up to Coleraine. So they were looking for um, somebody that would fill in for the year. So she contacted me and asked if I'd be interested, and I said, yeah. So when I came home, then that summer I was interviewed, and they offered me the job. And it was more or less a continuation of what I was doing, but much busier, and that was in Cork.
0: In terms of fostering and adoption?
1: Yeah, yeah. But there was one, like I was working with more people that time, and there was one of the people uh, who would have been more judgmental of the girls than I had experienced in Preston. Like she used to refer to in verticals, nice girls. No, she was a good person, and I liked her and I got to know her well. But she had this thing of a nice girl, meaning sort of came from the right side of the tracks and maybe had a good education and that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. And um just just finally on Preston, um like who, who like you mentioned Pam, but who would you say you, you were your best friends from over there?
1: Oh Pam definitely. We used to go to lots of places together and even one time we arranged uh, this exotic weekend in, in, in Paris so I, I can still see it. We we went from Preston down to where do we go? We went on a train. I oh, where did we go to London? And then we flew to Paris, and we had a fantastic three days in Paris. I still have the pictures from that. And um, uh, oh yeah, Pam was my definitely my best friend. I had one or two others too. There was a lovely woman from Liverpool, and uh, she subsequently well, she was a social worker. She subsequently left and she became a nun. Um, somewhere in England, as well, and uh, so I met very genuine, nice people. Carl.
0: and tell me about this trip to Paris. When when was it?
1: it? was during that year that I was in Preston. So it would have been. It was probably the spring of nineteen seventy four.
0: And whose idea was it? Like, in, it sounds very exotic. Like you say,
1: oh, it was amazing. I mean, we couldn't. We were. We were just so excited about it. I mean, the idea of going on this train first and then flying to Paris and staying in Paris and it was beautiful weather and we saw all the sights. I remember going to Versailles and, oh, so we we thought we were the celebrities.
0: And, and was Pam around uh, the same age as yourself?
1: Yeah, she would have been maybe, she's about a year or two older than me,
0: so. Oh, yeah. She's a
1: lovely person. I'm still in contact with her the whole time.
0: Yeah, um, she
1: lives. Uh, she married an Englishman called Graham. They had one child, Jessica, and Jessica, in fact, has just one child as well. And they live in the Lake District.
0: Yes, yeah. So the the health board job was was that based in Cork then?
1: Was it was based in the near called the Dyke Parade. Not too far, actually, from uh, Presentation College in the Mardek
0: And how did you? I suppose you know the way when you lived away for a year, and you know you have the balance between getting to know. When, when
1: I came back, when I came back, you see, um, Sheila was had a had a flat in College Road because she was still a medical student, and I just uh, came back to her flat and stayed with her.
0: Yeah. No, my my question was more when uh, I found when you when you're away in a foreign country and and you have yeah. that balance of meeting everyone's new and, and there's no yeah. family around you know there's this there's this freedom i suppose and there's this independence how do you find yeah. coming back to cork where it's you know it, it's it's different but it's, it i guess it's like coming home uh,
1: i don't remember i don't remember having any issues around that because i was still not living at home as in McCroom. you know i was living in the city yeah and you know we i had as much freedom living in cork really as i had in lancashire and you must remember like preston in 1973 was a very white place you know it was a very different place No. I went, I used to go to Bradford because my Auntie May lived in Bradford, and that was very different because you had, even at that stage, you had Asian communities coming in there to Bradford, but not so much in Preston, nothing really impressed them. Yeah. So, so coming back to Cork, really, I didn't see it as a, again, it was only a 12-month contract, and uh, I didn't see that. I don't remember being curtailed or losing any freedom that I had in, 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 in Preston.
0: And, and the, 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 the role with the health board, was that a 12 month thing or was it ongoing?
1: Yep. It was a 12 month contract for me. I was a contractor. Uh, but I got on very well there and um, I was considerably younger than some of the other workers. Um, and, and, um, uh, I think that was an advantage when it came to working with the girls.
0: Yes, did because did did um did your college degree, you know, did you feel it it actually helped a lot, or was it a lot of training on the job?
1: Well, well the, my general degree was a very sound general degree. It helped me a good bit. It put a background to things, Carl, especially subjects you know, like sociology. As psychology and then we used to do stuff on obviously all the social work methods and the different techniques you use in interviewing and you know um, recording and stuff like that so it was a very general stuff the on the job was equally important but was much more specific
0: yes and and then i suppose with the help board did you did you bring up the postgrad or was it was it was it offered to you
1: I knew that i was um i was i had only one year contract and uh with them at that time and uh, I was very anxious to do this It was a professional qualification as we called it it was a it was like a professional diploma it was at the time kahal it would be a bit like you know how teachers do their b a right and that's just a general degree, but they have to do their diploma then in a higher education in order to be deemed qualified to teach. Maybe it would be a bit like oh, you doing your degree in accountancy and then having to do your professional exams. Yeah. Yeah. So I was anxious to do it and I'd applied, I'd applied to a number of places including Dublin and Colrain, which I liked and then swan somebody had told me about swansea and when i went there i was very impressed and um so when i got the place in swansea i took it and i felt as well to be good to do it outside of ireland why to have a broader um range of people maybe in the course in the class and they were broader because there was a canadian there was a few africans there was some londoners Welsh people, of course, that was a Scottish girl, Netta, that I became one of my best friends. Um, um, and also because I wanted to expose myself to different methods of working, whereas, you know, in Ireland, it I felt it might be just narrower. And it was an excellent course, but I found it very hard to settle. When I went to Swansea, in contrast to going to Preston, Uh, No, I was very lucky because the health board, I applied to the health board for funding. Um, Now, normally they wouldn't accept applications except from permanent workers and I wasn't. I was a temporary one year worker, right? So I applied anyway and they interviewed me and I was very lucky. They said, okay, we're going to second you. In other words, that they would pay all my fees and they would pay my traveling expenses and I think they would give me something to keep me going as well, some kind of maintenance, provided I'd come back and work with them for two years afterwards, a minimum of two years. So I was delighted with that call.
0: And was that was that was that was there an interview for that?
1: There was. Yeah.
0: And obviously you obviously. must have done very well.
1: Oh, it went very well. And you know, I suppose I had the kind of a reputation at that stage because I was known for the work that I had done for the one year. You know, they knew, I suppose, vaguely what I was like, and that I was, supposed to be reliable and dependable and, in some way, professional. So I went off.
0: So, and and when, when, when 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 so, did you arrive in Swansea? Uh,
1: I suppose it would have been. The course would probably have started maybe the end of September, the beginning of October.
0: Seventy-five. And,
1: 75. And I had got in contact with the accommodation office in Swansea looking for a place to stay. And they told me that there was one or two other Irish girls who were renting a house in one part of Swansea. And they thought that um, that um, there might be still a vacancy. So they gave me the contact of one of them. And she was a dub, And there was, there was one space left, so I took that. But that was a bad, uh, it turned out not to be a good decision for me, Carl. Why? Because I don't, first of all, the place was very far away from the college. The, co- the university in Swansea, it's in one end of the city. And the Swansea, as you know, is on by the sea and there's lovely sea, you know, it's over, the university overlooks the sea. It is actually very scenic. And the accommodation, the house they were in were in the exact opposite side. So it would be like you know, you'd be like living down in Glenmire to go to UCC. You know, so it would be that kind of distance. Yeah. No, I was lucky enough because I had my little car and a lot of the students didn't have but from the from the moment I went into the house I didn't like it. First of all, they had all arrived before me. I don't know why this happened now, but anyway, I was last arrived. So of course, the others—I know it's a two or three of them. I'd say it was three. They all—they had all gone arrived before me, and of course, I was left with the smallest, and pokiest, and dingiest room. And that—that kind of annoyed me, even though I could kind of understand why it happened. But I would have thought that we should have drawn lots, or that. You know, there should have been a better way of deciding who would go into what room. Now, you might say, well, tough look, You arrived last, so really, you know, you just had to take what was left. And then there was no system. They weren't interested in how we'd organize as a group living together. You know, how would the rent be paid? How would the other bills be paid? How would the SP be paid? How would the cleaning room to be set up? How would buying food be set up? There was nobody interested in that. So in the end, I decided to just do my own thing. And basically, I didn't like them. Uh, None of them were very friendly. Um, I can't even remember all their names or anything. So I had decided very early on that while I liked the course and I liked the university and, and I liked the people on my course, but these weren't on my course. And I decided that I'd get out there, I'd get out of there as quickly as I could. And I got to know a guy from Dunham Over who was studying chemical engineering. I don't know where I met him now. And actually, his name was Tim Buckley. And did you ever hear of a hurler and footballer here? A camogie player and uh, ladies football called Rena Buckley. Yes. Yeah. Well, he turned out to be her father. I mean, he subsequently became her father. But I got to know him very well, and like he really fancied me. But I wasn't a bit interested in him. It just there was no there was nothing, no chemistry or nothing. He was a nice guy, but anyway. So anyway, I was telling him some day when I was moaning and groaning about my accommodation, he said, Do "You know, I have." Um, I have a contact in the accommodation office and they owe me a favor. And I said, oh, yeah. So he went to the accommodation office and fair play to him. He put in a very good word and a vacancy came up in accommodation um, for post-grads quite near the university. And they asked me would I like a room there and I jumped at it. And from the day I moved in there, it was so good. And I just really began to settle, and I came home at Christmas, and when I went back after Christmas, I was a different person.
0: And was that in a shared house, or was it more like a small apartment?
1: Oh, no. Well, it was student accommodation, so we all had, um, we all shared the kitchen, we shared the bathroom, maybe there was two bathrooms, and then there was four of us, and every four, the four of us had our, our own rooms.
0: But it, was, it was a house
1: were, it was in a big uh, like apartment block oh yeah yeah and it was it was full of students all the people there were all postgrad students and two of the people who were in my course were already staying there including Netta my Scottish friend
0: or she was on the course with you
1: she was and I had another very good friend called Bishina she was uh, From She was English, but both her parents were Polish. So she was reared speaking Polish and had everything to do with Poland. So I got to know them very well, those two. And then the lads, there was a lot of Arabs in the house. And we got to know them really well. Lovely Arabs.
0: So there was a real mix, was there?
1: Oh, a huge mix. I mean, people from Venezuela, from Saudi Arabia, from Jordan, from Turkey, from Iran um from England, from Scotland. Myself and Tim were the only Irish. Yeah. And it was great. And I when I went back then after Christmas, you know, I really got stuck in and I really liked the course and I made very good friends. And again I got in contact with the Irish club there. And um it was it was um, it was a help to me, but the first few weeks were very hard. I found I was very homesick. I was very lonely. I felt very isolated in the house. I just felt I was a very different person to the other three who were in the house.
0: Yeah, and wh- just when you were in Preston and in Swansea, how would you contact home? Was it through letters or phone or oh, letters? Letters.
1: Yeah. And even in Swansea, it was mainly letters. I mean, we. Um, The way we used to do it, Carl, was I'd go to a local – I'd write to Sheila. uh, I mean, when I was contacting Mum or Dad, it was just letters the whole time, and Mum used to write to me very often. But Sheila was then living still in College Road. So we had a public phone in the house in, in College Road where the flats were, and I would write to Sheila. And I'd tell her, I'll be at this public phone in the side of the street, like it was a phone box in the side of the street in Preston, and I'll give you this number, and at eight o'clock on Sunday night, you ring me at this number, or vice versa. I'd go to the public phone with a whole load of coins, and I'd ring Sheila. You'd have to be putting in the coins for so the machines. Like, it's another world, call. Yeah. But while I was over I never spoke to Mum or Dad when I was away during all that time in Leicester or that year in, in Preston.
0: Cause when when would they have got a a phone in the house?
1: Oh, oh much, much later. I couldn't tell you. But definitely much later.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't think I don't think we even had a phone when we when Pat and I were getting married, I was seventy nine. So I'll have to ask Pat because he put in an extension for mom. When when she got more immobile, he put an extension in there near the fire for her.
0: Okay. Mm. And um so, and going back to, going back to Swansea, so like, mm-hmm. you, who you said Netta. Are are there some friends you'd still kind of be in contact with?
1: Oh yeah, Neta would be. I'd still be in contact with her, and there was um, uh, Pat Scott. I don't know if you remember him. Um, he was he did some subject with us. He was from he was a dub, but he'd worked in Nigeria and um, other countries abroad. And I got to know him really well. And I was in contact with him for a long time until he got he got Alzheimer's some years ago and died. Mm. Yeah, I used to see him a lot when I go to Dublin. He's been to Cork. He stayed here.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, but I'm still in touch with Netta
0: and she's in Scotland, is she? Yes,
1: yeah, she's she she has a place in Glasgow, but she was from the Outer Hebrides, from, uh, the Isle of the Isle of Lewis, and the capital is, uh, the, the, the capital. I mean, the biggest town in Lewis is called Stornoway, and she's uh, she, her fa- her pe- people were very small farmers, really, as we call them, but they called them crofters. But there was just herself and her brother, and her brother had no interest at all in the island. And he left whenever he got the chance. But she was always very interested in going back to the island. So she actually built a house there. and That's where she spends most of her time now. She does kind of freelance. She'd be younger than me. So she kind of does consultancy work now as uh, a social worker. A lot of it would be online. And she does contract work.
0: But living on the island?
1: Living on the island. She married an Algerian whom she met in Swansea. Oh. and they have two they have two boys, and um, but when the first lockdown came, when the COVID struck, they happened to be in Spain, uh, her husband, um, Faisal is his name, and one of her sons, they were in Spain, and they weren't allowed to leave Spain, so they were stuck there for several months. Mm. And her other son was in Glasgow, I think, and she was in Stornoway, in Lewis, yeah. And ha- so we're, I'm, I, I loved that course I loved the people that were on the course And we had great tutors And it was a very good year uh, Once I settled And it took me until Christmas really To settle
0: And uh, did it finish in like June Something like that It
1: finished in June And then I spent some summer, summer of that summer In Africa I went to Kenya and Uganda To see Gus To see yeah. yeah
0: And his people and did she? She go with she you? She was in
1: Uganda at the time. She was working as a student, a medical student, in one of the hospitals.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: In Ka- Kampala.
0: And she and you did you did you meet her in Kenya or did she did you go in to? Kenya. Gif- she, came,
1: she came to Nairobi.
0: Okay. Okay. To
1: meet
0: me. yeah How long were you in Kenya? That must have been an incredible experience.
1: Oh, it was brilliant! I had such great memories of Kenya. That was the summer of nineteen seventy six, and I loved Kenya. Uh, the people. Um, no, obviously it was. You know, it there was a lot of inequality, poverty, and like if you were white, you were seen as a walking ATM, and you might have very, you might have very little. But, you know, that was how they saw white people.
0: Yeah. But I suppose, did you have Gus kind of looking oh, after I, you? Well,
1: he lived away up and he was way up north from... Um, I had to go up north from Nairobi to a place called Neri. And from there, then we had to go way up into the mountains. He lived in a little village in the mountains. And like they had never seen a white person, I'd say. They, they couldn't believe my hair that was so straight. Because you see their hair would be all black and very curly. And the children would be touching my skin or touching my hair and feeling it. They're such lovely people. And they couldn't believe that I was willing to sit on the ground and peel spuds with them. Because their idea of white women were, you know, I suppose what we'd see as landlords.
0: Yeah. Privileged, I suppose, right?
1: Oh, very, very. very,
0: And and did did Gus pick you up from Nairobi?
1: I don't think he did. I think I got the bus from Nairobi. I stayed in Nairobi for a while by yourself because I had a friend Joyce in Nairobi. I didn't. There was a one woman called Neri on my course, and she was a first cousin of Joyce. And when I told her, when I told Neri I was going to Kenya, she said, "I'll put you in touch with my cousin." And Joyce was brilliant to me. I'm still in touch with Joyce, like she's in London now. Joyce came to the airport came and brought me to her place and it was a tiny place and um she was working she worked for the department of agriculture so i was on my own when she was working so i had great time exploring the place and and i got to know her brothers and her family and like she would have been from the rural areas would have come into nairobi to um to work so anyway then i got the bus from Nairobi, up north, and Gus, must have, Gus he must have met me then in Neri, in Y E R I. It's the the headquarters, sort of, of the biggest town of his tribe. And he was from one of the very big tribes in um, Kenya. And um, then we he took me by another bus, a real ramshackle bus, to his village.
0: Mm. How long were you in there in total for? In Kenya? yeah
1: i'd say about a month
0: oh wow and and did you did you feel safe
1: very oh i felt very safe carl yeah loved it i just loved it and um
0: what's your what's your what's your overriding memories of it
1: um friendliness of the people acceptance hospitality um, giving even though they had very little to give. Um very I'd love to go back, but well, I suppose it's such a different country now. But Nairobi is a love was a lovely city, is a lovely city. Kenyatta Kenyatta Avenue was the big, big street coming down. Kenyatta was one of the first presidents after liberation. The Brits were there too, you see. So, uh, but the trouble with a lot of African countries after liberation is the level of corruption.
0: Yeah, yeah. So,
1: as you know.
0: Yeah, still so I'd love to,
1: I'd, love to, I'd like to go back, Carl.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah,
1: before I kick the bucket. <laughs> and I'd really recommend it as a country to visit.
0: Yeah. Okay, I think we've. So, I think we've.